Come on down to Big Red. You were made for something great. Hello, one o'clock. How are we today? No, that's good. Thank you. <laughs> I am so excited to be bringing this word to you today. Let me tell you why. I love the topic of hearing God. That song just a minute ago, great is your faithfulness, O Lord, to me, that from the rising sun to the setting name, I will pray, same, I will praise your name because I know that you are who you say you are and you will do what you say you will do. And when his word comes out, it does not return to him void, but it accomplishes the purpose for which he sent it. That that God is the one that wants to talk to us. And I'm so excited because for me personally, it's not a theory. It's something that I know. Because I have heard the Lord speak at times, and he's given me words and various means that have held me and anchored my heart in some challenging times, some minor challenges, some huge challenges, but it is only the word of the Lord that has been secure foundation for me. And it's been his word over me about who I am in him and who he is in me that has held me through some things that maybe I shouldn't have been able to go through, and I know that he wants the same for you. So I'm excited to bring this today. Because it's the God, in, in Philippians 2, we hear that God said that he exalted Jesus to be the name above all names to the highest place where he has all authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That means that there is nothing created and there's nothing that exists that is not subject to the name and the authority and the lordship of Jesus Christ. And that is the Jesus that talks to you. That is the God that talks to me. That is the one that we're engaging with. That is the one that we yearn to hear. And here's the beautiful thing. That Jesus with all power, that nothing has any, no one has any choice, but when he's fully revealed that they will hit his knee, our knees in worship and sing, holy, holy, holy are you. It is that Jesus that comes alongside. That is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. That is Emmanuel, God with us. That is peace in the middle of the storm. It's that Jesus that speaks. I don't know about you, but I will never get enough of that one talking to me. And I want that for every single one of us here in the room. Amen? Amen. Oh, I can feel it. <laughs> Let's pray. Would you just open your hearts and open your hands to the Lord? Jesus, we come to you this morning humbled and grateful that you are who you are, and yet you want to commune and talk with us, Lord. Father, that you humbled yourself to take a form of a servant and became just like us in this bodily form, limited in order that you could make a way that we can hear you and talk to you and respond to you and thrive in you. Lord, we are humbled by who you are. So right now we open our hearts and we open our hands and we ask you for more of you. May we hear your voice together this morning, Lord. May you speak to us this morning. And Father, we lift to you our Asian friends, God. Lord, for the things that are front of mind, Lord, there's stuff that's been happening all along that maybe we haven't seen, but God, right now it's front and center and it's painful and it's difficult and it's hard. So God, we pray right now that they would hear your voice, that they would feel the Holy Spirit, the one who comes to comfort that they would know that you are Jehovah Jireh, their provider. God, that they would know that they have an advocate in the heavens, that Lord, you love them, you are for them, you see them, you hear them, and God, they can come to you. 
And Father, would you teach us how to be your family, to surround them with your love and your care. Would you show us, God, how to speak encouragement to those that need it today? We ask you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, in this series, we've been learning that to emancipate the greatness that God has placed inside of us, for that to come out of us, that we have to learn how to hear and respond to the voice of God. In the very first message, Pastor Johnson taught us and showed us that the ability to hear God is built into us. It's innate. We were designed to communicate with God in this two-way relationship. That means that every single one of us has the ability and we learn to hear the voice of God, specifically and primarily through his written word, the Bible. And last week, Randy shared with us that we can hear the Lord corporately and that we have to then hear, heed, align to Oh, look at me, I'm spelling it wrong. Hear, engage with, align to, and rest in what we hear from the Lord. And next week, I'm excited to tell you that here, not streaming, not from Norcross, our founding pastor, Pastor Dennis, will be speaking to us here at VHM about hearing the Lord through prayer. So I encourage you to come and bring people to come with you. It's going to be a powerful word because it's something that he has demonstrated and engaged in for his whole saved life. Well, today, I want to share with you a few other ways that God speaks, and then especially when we think we've heard something, whether it's through the word or prayer or worship or one of these other means, how do we know this is God? Like, hello, is this you? How do we know? So let's start. God does speak supernaturally. He speaks through dreams. He speaks through visions, and he speaks through prophetic words. Now, some of you are like, yeah, we're going to talk about it. And others are going, hold up, let me sneak out because I don't know how I feel about all that because there's some craziness related to all that stuff. And I've seen some mess. Anybody seen some mess in those categories? Yeah, that's true. And I'm not going to minimize that there has been mess in those categories. There are people that have spoken in error. There are people that have said and done things that were not the heart of God, that were not what he was saying. That's true of preachers. That's true of worship leaders. That's true of people that come to bring some type of prophetic word. There's people that wrongly interpret dreams. And none of those reasons, while true, say that this is not a biblical and legitimate, active way that God speaks. So we're going to not throw out the baby with the bathwater, but instead we're going to say, Lord, what is it that you would have for us? And teach us to discern. Teach us to know your voice. So supernatural expression of God. Well, the very definition of supernatural, the word super just means above. It's not naturally born and naturally initiated. It's born from above and initiated by God himself. That means that dreams and visions and prophetic words, while it might be something that we learn to operate in more easily, it's not something we turn on and off, like, hold on, let me just go have a dream. Let me, let me just get a word for you. That's not true. God initiates it. It is supernatural. It's not something that happens in the natural. It's divinely originated. And God promised this here in Joel 2.28, and we'll read that together. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. And some might go, well, that's Old Testament. Well, that is also repeated in Acts 2, 17, when this began to happen in the, in the early church. This was then confirmed to say, hey, this, this is what it was talking about, and it continues since then. But here's what's such a beautiful promise in this verse, besides this pouring out his spirit on all flesh, sons and daughters, that means both genders. Old and young, that means age doesn't matter. 
And the reference to servants, this is not about the spiritually elite. This is for everyone. Every single one of us has the ability or has the potential for God to speak through us through dreams and visions and prophetic words. It's not limited to an elite group or special people. He wants to do it for you and me, and he will. He will. Well, what makes a dream a dream, a supernatural dream? Well, we all know what a dream is, right? It's just a natural occurrence in sleep, right? We've all had one, and we tend to blame it on pizza, and sometimes it is pizza. I don't eat pizza. I still have dreams. I wish I could eat pizza. Y'all feel sorry for me. Okay, but a dream in this sense is a means of revelation from God while you are asleep. Okay, what does the word revelation mean? Let's just stop for a second. There's some big words in Christianity. Revelation is one of them. The root word of revelation is just reveal. And it literally is a picture of unveiling, to take the veil off something so that you can see what's underneath. So revelation just means that you can see something you couldn't see before. Because God lets you see something that you couldn't see before. So a dream is a means of revelation while you are asleep. A vision, then, is a means of visual revelation while you are awake. That can be as grandiose as like being swept away to another place. Did you realize that the entire book of Revelation is John having that kind of vision with God? It's all a vision that God gives him. But sometimes it's not that big of a deal in terms of sometimes a, vi a vision is simply just a picture that pops through your head. Anybody ever had that? And you go, oh, I, I, I saw something there. And it's like that little picture that kind of feels random. You know, you're not thinking about that thing or maybe you're praying or maybe you're talking to someone and you just see something in your mind and then boof, it's gone. But you're like, man, I, huh, well, that's a new way of looking at it. That is a form of a revelation or a vision from the Lord. I didn't know that I had those kind of things for a long time. I thought I just saw pictures every, here, every now and then. But that's what that is. It doesn't have to be all, ooh, you know what I mean? <laughs> Let's look in the Bible. These examples of dreams, visions, and prophetic words are all through the Bible. Starting in, we're not going to read these ones. I'm just going to quickly touch on them. Genesis 20, verse 3, the first biblical occurrence of a dream that is recorded in the Bible is when Abraham lied to Abimelech, telling him that Sarah was his sister because he was afraid. And Abimelech's thinking, great, because she's beautiful, and he's going to take her away. And the Lord appears to Abimelech in a dream and says, not so fast, time out, let me stop you right there. Abraham's a liar. That's what God said. Something like that. And Abimelech was really thrilled about this. But he saved Abimelech from going into an area that he didn't need to be going into, even though Abraham had lied. That's the first recorded dream in which somebody is, has a revelation from the Lord. Genesis 37.5. Many of us are familiar with this. This is the story of Joseph and his coat of many colors and how he sees a, a dream from the Lord in which the sheaves are bowing and how he's going to go through. And he eventually sits on the throne second in command in the land of Egypt and saves the people. Well, that was a revelation from the Lord in a dream. Not how it was going to happen, but this dream that was symbolic. Matthew 1.20. Joseph, as in uh, fiancé of Mary, God appears to him in a dream and says, it's okay to marry her. It's not what you think. <laughs> now, in that situation, especially in that day and age, you probably needed something specifically supernatural to have the assurance that this is good, right? And yet, and God gave him what he needed to be able to know the will of God. Acts 10, Peter has a vision where the sheet drops down with all these different foods and stuff, and the Lord's telling him to eat. He's like, I've never eaten that. And the bottom line of this whole story is that God uses this vision with Peter to reveal to Peter that the gospel was not just for the Jews, but it was for the Gentiles as well. That revelation that Peter had 
is really good news for pretty much every single one of us in here today, isn't it? This is not just for God's chosen people and the Jews, but it's for everyone. And that's how he first received that vision. And then he went on to encounter and work with Cornelius, and the Lord did what the Lord does. God will use dreams and visions to provide three primary things. It's not an exclusive list, but it's three primary things. The first is direction. And we can see that in Acts 9, verse, starting at verse 10. Living in Damascus was a believer named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling his name, Ananias. Yes, Lord, Ananias answered. The Lord said, go at once to the street called Abundance and look for a man from Tarsus named Saul. You will find him at Judah's house. While he was praying, he saw in a supernatural vision a man named Ananias coming to lay hands upon him to restore his sight. Now, this is a short little story, but for me, it's one of my favorite stories because I have the utmost of respect for this man named Ananias. There's only a few verses in the Bible dedicated to him. But whenever the Lord speaks to him, he probably, and he did say, um, so this Saul from Tarsus, is he not the most known persecutor and killer of Jews and Christians? <laughs> Is he not the one that we're all completely afraid of? I mean, like, God, do you know who we're talking about here? And God says, yep, I know. And he sent him anyways, and Ananias went to the greatest persecutor of the church. But you know what else is kind of cool about this verse? God has so much confidence in Ananias' obedience that he gave Saul, who became Paul, a supernatural vision of Ananias. God knew he would go. I want to be that trustworthy with the Lord. Don't you? So that scripture always challenges me. And of course, we, as you may know, Saul becomes Paul, his name is changed, and he not knowingly writes two-thirds of the New Testament that we still read from today. That story is a big deal. And it was two visions from the Lord. The second thing that the Lord reveals is warning or insight. We can see this in Matthew 2.12. This is talking about Joseph and Mary after Jesus is born. Afterward, they return to their own country by another route, because God had warned them in a dream not to go back to Herod. So God redirects them in a dream and says, hey, not this way, that way. The third thing is promise. We won't read this, but it's recorded in Genesis 28, starting around verse 12. And this is where Jacob falls asleep and has this dream of a ladder to heaven, and there's angels going up and down. And then through that dream, God speaks to Jacob, who's the grandson of Abraham. And we sung about this promise earlier. The promise that he'd given Abraham, he speaks directly to Jacob, that your seat, you will fill the earth, that your inheritance will be blessed. All these things. He repeats the Abrahamic covenant to Abraham's grandson. See, he didn't want it to just be passed down. He wanted him to know. You need to hear this voice of the Lord. One story that where the Lord used a dream to give me some insight. You've heard me talk before about a season in our daughter Lindsay's life when she was maybe 8 through 11 or 12 years old where just anxiety and panic and panic attacks had gripped her because of something that she'd been through when she was maybe seven or eight. And this was going on. It was life-altering levels of anxiety and panic, and it was, it, was, it, just, it was dominating everything about all of our lives to be able to deal with this. And honestly, I don't know if it was year one, two, or three, but somewhere along the way, I was tired. I was losing compassion. I was over it, like, I love you, but also, what are we doing? Can we, uh, I mean, this was hard. It was, it was truly life-altering. And one of these times, and I don't remember what year it was, honestly, but one night I had a dream, 
And in the dream, the specifics of the dream are not important, but in the dream, Lindsay was in a situation that was terrifying, truly scary, terrifying on every level, and things were happening and coming at her, and she was alone, and she couldn't see. There was no reinforcements in sight. There was nothing coming her way to bring reassurance. And I woke up, and at first, my heart's disturbed because as a mom, I'm like, oh my gosh, that was... That was rough, that was terrible. And the Lord immediately spoke in peace to say, that's what she feels. That's what this anxiety and panic feels like to her. I'd not had it to that level, so I didn't know how to empathize, but through a dream, the Lord let me feel the intensity and the desperation of what she felt in order that I could then walk in compassion and empathy and continue this road with her. And I was so grateful. I don't even know if I ever really told her about that. She watched last service, maybe she heard it. <laughs> but here's the great thing. Our daughter's 20. Yesterday she texted me in a situation that was very similar to one of the ones that had actually prompted this whole anxiety in the first place happened to her yesterday. And she texted me about it early in the day and I had the little, oh no. And later she was like, mom, I'm good. I'm free. This doesn't bother me anymore. I'm good. So that journey through anxiety and just struggle and panic, she and God walked a road to freedom that now she can go, oh, no, okay, I'm good. All right, this is good. It is the voice of the Lord that got her there, though. Not something I said, not something I did, or anybody else. It was hearing God's voice for herself. Prophecy. It's all through the Bible, including the New Testament. First, let's define what is prophecy. It's another one of those great big words. A prophetic word or prophecy is simply a divinely inspired message that God gives you for someone else. A divinely inspired message that God gives you for someone or something else. Well, we can see that in the New Testament, Paul gives directions to the church about the proper and orderly use of prophecy in the early church. So what this means is that wasn't just for the Old Testament. These are for the new believers and the new church. It was a normal part of church. Otherwise, there'd be no reason to give instructions for how this is supposed to go in a church setting, right? In 1 Corinthians 14, 3, we hear some of these instructions, and we also find the real core of what is the purpose of prophecy in the New Testament. But when someone prophesies, not if, when someone prophesies, he speaks to encourage people, to build them up, and to bring them comfort. Now some of your Bible versions might say words like edification, exhortation, and comfort. Big words, again. That word edification or building up, it's an architecture kind of word. It would have spoken to them about actually like reinforcing and building back up. The word it literally means is to make able. To kind of like put it back together and fix the structure to make something able. The word exhortation literally is the word encouragement. It means to put courage into. Well, why would he put courage into us so we could go forward? For what's ahead? For what we're facing? For what we're going through? And the word comfort simply is talking about consolation, to console and to support. So New Testament prophecy, it's meant to build us up where God comes and says, hey, let me help you put those pieces back together. Let me speak to those things where you're not quite able, and then let me wrap my arms around you and tell you I'm here to console you, that I hear you, I see you, I feel you, that you matter to me. And then let me put courage back in you so that you can go on and you can go forth with my power in you. 
See, it's really important to understand the difference between Old Testament prophecy and New Testament prophecy. And this really is at the core of the gospel as well. Because in the Old Testament, the temple and the presence of God was on the outside of the people. It was housed in the temple that was built in the Holy of Holies. And only the priests could enter that place and only once a year after going through sacrifices and cleansings and stuff in order that they went, they went into the presence of the Lord, that they would be found holy in his presence and could make sacrifices on behalf of the people. It was on the outside of them. The people could not communicate to God directly on their own but they had to work through the priests and the prophets. So the prophets then were hearing the very words of God for the people in order to caution and to warn and to convict and to do all of that because the people couldn't do it for themselves. But when Jesus came, he became the perfect sacrifice. He entered the holy of holies, not here on earth, but in the heavenly realm. And he offered the perfect sacrifice once for all time in order that there would never be another sacrifice required. And he ripped that veil that kept us on the outside of the presence of God. And he made a way that the presence and the person of Jesus, when we receive him as our Lord and Savior, now dwells within. And he is within us and we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That gets me so stirred up every time because that's why he came. That his power could live within you. That his person could be within you. And that you from your prayer closet, from your car, from wherever you are, that you might walk boldly into the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and that you would be welcomed every time. No shame, no condemnation, no groveling, but you can walk and look at a gracious heavenly father and find mercy and grace in your time of need. And not only that, not just to survive, but to thrive. Because when he did that, he took us along for the ride and he said, I have seated, all of our sins were put to death on the cross and now we are seated with him in heavenly places. The same love that God has for Jesus, he has for you and for me. The same power in the kingdom that Jesus has, he gives to us. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. And he says, in my authority, I give to you. I don't know about you, that stirs me up. And I want to hear that God speak to me. Because I don't want to leave any of that on the table. The sacrifice that he went through. The suffering that he went through. The shame that he bore for me. The penalty that he paid for me. I want it to be worth every single thing that he did. Don't you? I got myself off. <laughs> so in the Old Testament, the priests, the prophets had to speak the very words of God to the people. And if they did not, if what they spoke did not come to pass, they literally were killed. This was the standard that they were held to. But in the New Testament, now that the Holy Spirit can live within us by the power and the grace of Jesus, we have that guide and that counselor and that one that comes to convict and lead and direct on the inside of us. So then the words that are coming through prophecy now, these are the impressions and the thoughts and the senses that other people receive and offer. It is not the very words of God, but rather it is a message from God that can be offered and then weighed to see, does that align with what the Holy Spirit is already doing inside of me? but it comes in order that he might build us up, wrap his arms around us and send us out. A prophetic word should affirm and confirm something the Lord is already doing in your heart and not leave you feeling shamed, condemned, or confused. I've received many prophetic words in my life and I'm so grateful. As I've told you, some of those have served as the anchor and the foundation 
through really challenging times. But one particular moment when I know that this was just the Lord coming to do those three things. I've had a tendency in my life, whether it's a combination of things that have happened to me or messages from my childhood or just the way that I think and, you know, oldest child syndrome and all those things. Feel sorry for me. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. I've had, uh, especially in my teens and early 20s into my 30s, I would really wrestle sometimes with, with depression and anxiety because I would just have these times and seasons where I just felt like I stunk at everything. And I just kind of go through all that I wanted to be and all the things that I wanted to do, how I wanted to show up in life and how I wanted to be as a mom or a friend or this or that. And I would go through that and basically it would be like, oh, fail, da, 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 uh, fail, da, da, fail, fail. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And there'd be times where I would just get under it. You know what that feels like. So one particular time, I'm in this particular moment or season, I don't know if it was a week or a month or I don't know, but I remember just thinking I was under it. On the first row in worship in church, where you're not supposed to be under it, but I was. I was. I was struggling, struggling to feel like I could come into the presence of God. And a person who I knew, but was way across the auditorium, and it was a large one, he came across and he said, I just feel this impression that the Lord wants to say to you this morning, that when you sit and you analyze and you assess yourself and you come to a conclusion about who you are, it's one that he disagrees with. And he wants you to see what he sees. And then he walked away. Well, of course, in that moment, my heart's just broken because what was that? It was the spirit of God saying, come on, sweetie, let's put this back together. Let me wrap my arms around you and say, no, 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 no. Let me, I'm here and I hear you. And let me put courage in you that you might go forward. I still look back on that word sometimes whenever I'm getting under it. And to go, oh, yeah, that's what you said. Let me look at that. So we hear the Lord. What do we do next? Maybe it's in the word or worship or prayer or something. We feel like we've heard a word from the Lord. How do I know that's God? Well, the word, the big fancy word is discernment. And here's what discernment means. To discern means to distinguish between, separate out, examine in order to determine or decide. It, it basically just means to figure it out. That the word discernment literally means to figure out. You can look at anything and discern, is that real or not? When they look at a counterfeit bill, is this, it's using discernment to figure out if this is real or counterfeit. So it's a spiritual word, but it's not a spiritual action, but it is one that the Lord wants to engage with us in. Let me ask you a question, and this is an important question. You have to be honest. This is a poll. How many of you, when you come to a yellow light, floor it? Okay. You all are the problem with Atlanta traffic. <laughs> Discernment is the beginning of slowing to be able to discern the word. So when you receive a word from the Lord, the first thing is 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, which is pff, whatever, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. That means that there could be a combo in here. But what we're doing is we're testing them all in order to discern what is good and to reject what is, you know, that's probably not the Lord. So then after we slow down, then we have to stop. And I have three questions for you to ask, be able to look at this word from the Lord. The first is, does this line up with God's word and his character? We all have any relationships, whether you're married or just friendships. How many of you know that tone changes a message? <laughs> 
So we're not just looking at what is said, but how it's said. Do these both match the character of God? Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light on my path. See, God will not speak something that is contrary to what he's already said. Because his word does not change. His character does not change. He is the same yesterday and today and forever, it says in Hebrews about Jesus. Here's why that's good news for us. Because if he changed, we could not call him faithful. If he changed, we could not call him a firm foundation. If he changed, we could not call him the anchor in the storm. But instead, it is the unchanging nature and word of God that becomes an anchor because it does not change. We can then rely on it and we can look back to it then to be able to help discern us about, is this the Lord or not? Now, the word's not going to tell you about a mortgage payment or whether to buy this house or not. But it is going to give you wisdom about how to manage your finances. It is going to give you wisdom about relationships. It's going to speak to you about some things. Scripture will support his voice, and his voice will support the scripture. That's why we need to be in the word. It isn't a religious checkbox to check off. It's so that we can learn to tune our hearts, not just to what he says, but how he says it, so that we might know the very nature of God, not just his words. Second question, ask, is this affirmed by God's counsel, mature believers? Especially when we're learning to hear God's voice or we're in a season where maybe we're just experiencing a higher level of confusion, it's really important to submit what you hear to people who are maybe just a little further along in their walk with the Lord and their practice of discerning and listening and interpreting the Bible and the word of God. Proverbs 24, verse 6, For by wise counsel you will wage your own war, and in a multitude of counselors there is safety. 1 Corinthians 14, 29, Two or three prophets should speak. That's a go. <laughs> And the others should weigh carefully what is said. So that's a really important thing. If the person giving you a word will not submit the word to be tested, that's a sure sign that you should probably set that one aside. Because the Bible speaks of discerning and judging words and testing to be able to discern, Lord, what are you saying? And if anyone says, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh, if you look at that, then you don't have faith, that's not true. That's not true. The Bereans are praised elsewhere in the New Testament because they went and took what they heard and took what they learned and said, what does the Bible say? Let's figure this out. There was one time where this was really important to me. The scripture we've even mentioned a number of times in this series about my sheep hear my voice and they follow me, that's meant to be a promise. But for many years, I heard it more like a threat. I heard it backwards. Because I struggled to hear the Lord's voice at times, I was like, oh my gosh, am I even a sheep? Because I can't hear him. And I wanted to be a sheep. And I wanted to hear his voice. And it was only in the presence of a more mature believer and a woman where we're chatting and we're talking. And she went, hold on, hold on. What did you just say right then? And I told her and she said, oh no, honey. That's totally backwards. That's not a threat. That's a promise. Because you are a sheep, you will hear his voice. It's a promise that he will make himself heard to you. And you are able to hear him. Well, that changes everything. That was a lie from the enemy. It was the word of God, kind of. But the enemy twists things, and I needed a mature believer to help me see the truth. Third thing, ask, do I have peace from God? See, the Spirit of God accompanies the word and the voice of God. Right now, we're administering vaccines, and so the word minister tends to be another fancy word. We administer a vaccine. It's something that's given. So when you minister something, you're giving something. With the word, what kind of spirit is given? Is it fear and anxiety and freaking out? Or is it peace? 
Because when God speaks, even when it is a word of warning, it will be clarified by peace that rests on the top of it. Colossians 3.15, let your heart be always guided by the peace of the holy anointed, I'm sorry, always guided by the peace of the anointed one who called you to peace as part of his one body. God's peace governs and leads our lives. And here's the beautiful thing, and I wish I could go into it more. See, Jesus is the word made flesh. The word is not the Bible. The word is all the truth of God. And some of that is captured in the Bible, but Jesus himself is the word because he put everything about God in a fleshly form in order that we might see it. And Jesus is the Prince of Peace. It's not something he has, it's something he is. That means when the true word of God goes out, the prince of peace, the spirit of peace goes with it because they are eternally connected. So that means that even when it's a warning, his peace will come with it. That means that that peace that passes understanding, that transcends my heart and my mind, even when I'm confused, even when I'm going, I still don't know how this is gonna work, I can still have this peace that layers on top of it. Peace doesn't mean we fully understand it. Peace doesn't mean that we don't still have questions. It means that what's ministered with it is peace. So discern the voice of God is not one of those three, it's all three. Does it line up with God's word, the Bible? Is it affirmed by godly counsel and is it accompanied by God's peace? And if it is, well then you have a green. Well, what do I do now? (laughs) Well, first we pray. We pray for his revealed will. We pray for the heart that goes along with what he said. We pray that he would give us greater clarity. We pray that he would minister to us the compassion that he has for others. We pray that he would open our eyes that we might understand more about what he just said. We don't just grab that thing and take off. You sit with it. You work with it. You explore, align, engage with the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 13, 9. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. The word says that for now we see in part and we understand in part, and then we will see it in full. That means that the whole design of this thing is not that he goes, here you go, here's perfect clarity, on your way, good luck. No, it is meant that we would get a part of the jigsaw puzzle and he holds the rest and we are constantly in communion with him because it is his strength, his might, and his wisdom that brings all this to pass and I'm just along for the ride. When we have heard God's voice though, we pray with great faith because it isn't for them, it's for me. And when I'm praying, I can know that I'm praying the will of God because he spoke it to me. And there's a power in that that is different than wondering, God, are you hearing my prayer, right? That's why it matters so much to me that you hear God for yourself. Because you and I have a power in prayer that only comes when we believe to our core, that's for me. That's what God says about me and my family and my son and my daughter and my community and my country and my future, that's for me. Don't strive. Rest in what you've heard. So don't speed. Isaiah 55, 11, So also will be the word that I speak. It does not return to me unfulfilled. My word performs my purpose and fulfills the mission I sent it out to accomplish. Jeremiah 1:12. The Lord said to me, you've seen correctly, for I watch over my word to accomplish it. The power to perform the word of God is in the word itself. It's not up to you and not up to me. 
So when he speaks of his faithfulness, when he speaks of forgiveness, it isn't on us to make that happen. Rather, it is to engage by faith in through grace like everything else in the Bible to know that the power and the might and the one who takes responsibility to see that come to pass is the faithful one whose word never fails and who never changes. That means that I have great confidence and great faith that when he's spoken, he will do what he said he will do and he will be who he said he will be because he is the God that I can trust with everything. So we can receive it, we believe it, we internalize it in this time of prayer. I get so excited about this because I know that it's true. We have to take what we hear and yield it and slow to stop and to examine and discern and say, Lord, is this you? But never on our own, but also with some help. But some of us right now might be feeling a little frustrated. Because even with this, you're feeling inspired, you're feeling different ways, and you're going, but I still just don't know that I can hear God. I don't know that I ever have. Well, I just want to say right now, if you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have heard the voice of God. Because 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that no one can say that Jesus is my Lord except for the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit. So the reason you responded to him was because you were hearing God. So even if that's the only time you've ever heard God, that means you can. You can. But hearing God, to make a very simple illustration, is a lot like a cell phone. There's the caller, we're the receiver, he initiates. We're the, we're the one talking, but in between the one talking to me and hearing it, there's a lot of invisible stuff. A lot of stuff we don't see. There's interference, there's like a signal, there's a lot of stuff going on. When I'm talking to my husband and it break, it's breaking up or I drop the call, I do not show up in the urgent care, check my ears, something's wrong. No, we stop and we examine, we troubleshoot. Was I in a dead spot? Did I have a bad line? Is there interference on the line? What's going on between me and that that I can't hear quite right? I might need an equipment upgrade. I might need to try pressing in in a different way. I might need to reposition. There's this invisible realm, this supernatural realm. And see, the enemy is a liar and he's a deceiver. And one of the very first things that he says to us when we're going, I, 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 it's breaking up, I can't, I can't. He goes, it's you, it's your ears. The problem is you. You can't, you're unable to hear God or he's not talking to you. And that's a lie, that's a lie. Today is a significant day in my life and in the life of a family that I hold very dear now in Texas. Because five years ago today, probably a couple of hours ago, the Lord spoke to me just through an impression to go for a walk right now. I argued with the Lord because it was a delightful day like it is today, blustery, windy, windy, cold, not great. Why am I going for a walk? But I went for the walk because I couldn't shake the impression and on that walk, I found the young man who had just taken his life, and his name was Donovan Luke. It was a tough journey, but the Lord used that little go for a walk to connect, help to use me to connect that family who did believe in the Lord, but they were not in a church family at the time, and they needed support. And God in his love and his care and his mercy just said, hey, go for a walk in order that I would connect with them and help them by God's grace be part of a family that wrapped their arms around them and loved on them and brought them meals and helped them through and all kinds of stuff. It's been a long journey. And that mother and stepfather and sisters, 
by hearing God's voice have been able to be healed, to have hope, to be restored, to be redeemed. The mother and I are still very much in touch. I talked to her on this morning, uh, talked to her on the phone this morning and I asked her if I could bring some of this story to you. And she said, please, we're doing great. Please do. And here's why I think this story matters so much to us today is because Donovan Luke, 22 years old, something, he knew the Lord earlier in his life, but somewhere along the way, did he hear the voice of God say, you matter? Could he hear the voice of God say, you have a future and a hope? You are loved. You are the apple of my eye. I approve of you. I want you. What messages did he hear or not hear anymore? Because the enemy wants to convince us that this static on the line, this dead calls, this dropping calls, this spiritual interference is us. What I learned from that experience is people don't take their own life because they're bad people. And they don't take their own life because they're selfish people who don't love anybody else. Somewhere along the way, they either have never heard the voice of God for themselves or the enemy's gotten in there and made it so confused they don't know what's what anymore. Donovan's with Jesus and I'm gonna meet him one day. I never met him on earth. But our lives are forever intertwined. And I know that he would tell us today that God has something to say to you. And Amanda, his mother this morning saying, yes, God has something to say to you. And it matters that you believe that you can hear God's voice. And it matters that you hear God for yourself. And you are able no matter what the enemy said to you. But that static on the line that might be word curses or life experiences or generational, there is a true spiritual realm and there are real hindrances that happen in that place and they can be broken because of who Jesus is. So whatever static and interference you walked in with this morning, you don't have to walk out with it because it is the blood and the power of Jesus that can break that, that can take off the strongholds, that can help clear the line. And as a minute, when we are in a time of worship and prayer, you might need somebody to pray with you over those things in order that you might be freed and healed. But God wants to speak to you today. And he is this authority that's above all else. And he has something to say to you. Would you stand with me? If you hear this message and you're saying, I've never received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I haven't responded to that stirring of the Holy Spirit and you would like to make him your Lord today. Would you just raise your hand wherever you are? Amen, amen. Anyone else? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The word says that all heaven is excited and rejoices when we come and when we accept this amazing gift that we have. So would we all just lift our hands together and would you just repeat after me and let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your work on the cross. We thank you that you made a way that I could not ever make for myself. I ask you to forgive me of my sin and I receive your work as my righteousness. I commit my heart and my life to you and I invite you to be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name.
Now for all of us, would you just stretch your hands up to the Lord and let me pray for us all. I'd like to ask the minister of prayer leaders to come up as I do. Jesus, we invite you to be with us right now. God, for those of us where there's interference on the line, God, would you reveal to us and show us and stir our hearts, Lord, of what we may need to pray over, of what we might need to repent of, of an area where we might need to repent, God, an area we might need to obey. But Lord, I know that you wanna to speak to us today and God's our hearts are wide open to hear you. Would you speak to us, Lord? Would you stir in our hearts? Because there is no other king, there is no other name, there is no other authority but you. So Father, we welcome you and we worship you. Speak to us in Jesus' name, amen.